your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Tuesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Coming up on the show in just a couple of minutes, Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel will join us. Uh, school board met yesterday. It's going to be kind of a school week, a little bit, and in, in between there, we're going to talk economics, economy, inflation, flat tax. Uh, that that'll be tomorrow. But uh, Engel is going to join us today, and then on Thursday, Lacrosse Teachers Union President Jesse Martinez is going to join us. Uh, school board met yesterday. Made some big decisions, putting a referendum on the ballot, closing Lincoln Middle School. Um, those are the two really big ones, and probably what we'll talk about the most uh, with Engel. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rant and rave here too much because uh, we're better off uh, getting Engel on here sooner than later. But um, you know, I guess I guess the big questions are why you know what. Uh, why pick Lincoln Middle School? What is the fallout? Is this part of the fallout from the failed $194.7 million referendum to build a new high school? I think it is. And um, in operating budgets, we're going to referendum to ask uh, for taxpayers to help pay the bills. Why are we doing that? And yeah, so... Other things I have on the docket, we'll see if we can get to them. The school board, obviously the school board met yes, uh, yesterday, but four of those members won't be members in a couple of months because their terms are up and they're not running for re-election. So we're going to have four new members on the school board. And has Engel ever experienced such a big changeover? I think uh, where where you go in knowing you will have four essentially rookie school board members because the incumbents aren't running for re-election. So a lot of times you go, okay, well, there's four incumbents. They might win re-election, so you don't even know. But this time you will. You'll kind of go in, and we've talked in the past about how uh, there, there haven't been four new school board members uh, since perhaps 1992. The other thing I had, and uh, we talked about it a couple, I want to say a couple I'll, I'll just say a couple weeks ago. It feels like longer, maybe a couple months ago. But school lunch debt, that's a thing again. It's uh, the last time I checked in this story that I wrote back in, when did I write this? Back in January. But the, the, the numbers come from uh, the, through October. So these could we could get updated numbers if we wanted to just kind of Rehash, hey, where's school lunch debt? But through October, school lunch debt in La Crosse's school district was $14,224. Um, and uh, within the district, 48% of students are eligible for free or reduced meals. And about half of those students, almost half of those students are elementary kids. So when we talk about kids getting fed and the need to feed the kids, half of them are fr- on free and reduced meals, and m- half of them, about 1,200, but 1,300 students are elementary students. So we might get to that as well. That almost seems like the most important thing, <laughs> you know, making sure uh, kids can afford to eat, which is a weird thing to think about. Hey, kid, you didn't pay your lunch debt. Go sit in the corner. Chew on some napkins or something. Not that's not what's happening. We could ask Angle too what what happens there. 
608-785-7914. Text line's working if you want to shoot me a text. 608-785-7914. I almost blanked on, on the number. All right. Brad's got to do the news. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line. If you got a text, if you got a question for Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel, feel free to shoot me a text. I'll try to get it to him. My agenda is full here on things that I want to ask him, however. Uh, how's it going, Aaron? Doing well. And yourself? I'm good. I really appreciate you coming on. I uh, I feel I feel kind of bad because that, that school board meeting was like a two, two and a half hours long. That took up your Monday night, and now you're taking up your Tuesday night talking with me. So uh, hopefully you get tomorrow night off. <laughs> it's all good work. Um, all right, so do you do you want to do what? What do you think is going to be the larger conversation: the operating referendum question or the closing of a school? Probably the second, right? Probably the second. Yeah. Okay, so I'll put that on hold for a minute. We're going to talk about closing the Lincoln Middle School. The school board voted to do that last night uh, in a minute, but we also we as the Lacrosse School Board, I should say, also voted. Uh, you proposed about a fifty-five and a half million dollar operating referendum to go on the April ballot, and I think the school board bumped it up a little bit. Can you just explain real quick what an operating referendum is and then why the Lacrosse School District needs to do that? I guess the the why is probably pretty pretty big deep dive. Yeah, absolutely. So the the, the school districts have an opportunity to um, hold referendums to ask for additional funds for schools, and they can either be for operations or they can be for capital projects. So when we went to referendum in November, it was for a capital project to, to build a high school. Um, you know, that obviously did not pass. Um, and so we're facing some deficits, some budget deficits, as we look out into the next uh, number of years. And so we are going to the public to ask for more funds to, to operate our schools. And uh, they can come in two different types, either non-recurring or recurring. And we're asking for a non-recurring referendum, which lasts just six years. All right. Is that it, it, will that bump up against? Are there other non-recurring referendums that the district is right? There's one other one go out there, right? That's going to expire here pretty quick. Or, I don't know if it's pretty that, quick, actually. Yeah, that, that is correct. We've had a, a non-recurring uh, operational referendum it's for about four point one million dollars for the last four years. It will extend one more year to next year. the The purpose of this referendum that the school board put on the ballot is to uh, you know, provide some additional funds to manage our, our, our budget deficit and underfunding of public schools for next year. And then it'll replace the uh, the referendum that ends after next year as we go out into the future. And you kind of having them both on the, if you if it passes, having them both for, for next year kind of battles, you know, getting out of the pandemic and, and the rise in inflation over the, right? Is it kind of, is that kind of the thought process there of having them bump into each other? Yeah, we've seen an increase in inflation, uh, you know, 8% is what we saw over this last year in, in, in our area, and um, in, in a lack of funding from the, the state legislature. We, we've got no new spendable revenue for two years, uh, and we've been facing underfunding of public education, you know, since uh, 2009, when the state decided to uh, stop funding school increases at inflation. And, and since then, we've seen a significant gap arise between the, the costs it takes to run a school and what the state allows us to derive for revenue. 
Now, yesterday was the last day you could vote to put something on the ballot for April. Um, not so, not a whole lot of time to think about this, right? Or have you have you guys been discussing this and thinking about it over the past couple of weeks or months? Yeah, over the last month, uh, we've met with the the school board and workshops to talk about long range uh, financial planning and facility planning. And so we've had uh, discussions about um, an, an operating referendum over the last month, uh, and, and the board considered a, a variety of different options uh, and ultimately landed on the, the solution that they uh, authorized last night. Is this something that would have nothing to do with, like, would you have, would you have had to do this regardless of the referendum that didn't pass to build a new high school on the south side? Uh, if that would have passed, would would you still have to go to referendum with with something like this and operational? Because I believe is it capital? Is that the other the, like the building quote unquote building referendums? Is it capital referendum? Is that what that's called? Yeah, that is correct. Now, those are capital referendums that would have helped us build a thing. Um, but with the consolidation of our schools through that plan, we would have had known operational savings in the future. It would have uh, made our situation a little less dire. We would have still had to renew our existing uh, non-recurring operational referendum at, at, in this next year, but um, we might not have had to go early, and we might not have had to go for so much. But you know, we don't know that we're going to have those savings in the future, and because there's been such a underfunding of public education over the last you know 15 years, it's really put us in a challenging spot to provide the the basic educational things that our kids need to be successful and be great contributors in our community. I mean, when we're not an outlier here uh, across the state, we're seeing this, the, the governor has mentioned this. Um, do you look at like your neighbors? Cause I believe on Alaska passed both a building upgrade referendum and an operational to pay the bills, to pay the teachers type referendum uh, just last election. So in Holman and Bangor, I know also did it. West Salem did it. Uh, two elections ago, I believe. So it's not like lacrosse is uh, out of the ordinary here. Yeah, it is common across school districts uh, because the state hasn't contributed uh, their fair share. We've had to to ask our local taxpayers to uh, chip in themselves. And we are so thankful to have a community that supports public education. It has really been a boon for us to be able to to get through these, uh, you know, difficult financial times. Uh, and we hope that that continues as we look at this next referendum. Uh, as an example, the inflation, if, we, if, if school funding had kept up with inflation over the last 15 years, it would mean um, $3,200 more per pupil in our school districts across the state. Uh, for us here in La Crosse, that represents about $19.2 million we'd have annually in order to educate our students and provide the best possible education. Is this is the state not funding schools the way you want? Did they change the model? Or are they are they not coming through with what schools kind of expect or are, are kind of think of as promised from the state? It, like Engel, if I owed you like a hundred dollars and I said I'll pay you by next week, and then next week comes and I don't owe, get you the hundred dollars, and you're like, I actually needed that hundred dollars to pay the rent, um, and now I don't have it, and now I got to go ask somebody else to borrow some money, which is kind of what you're doing. Is that what the state's doing, or did they change the model, and therefore you don't even expect that hundred dollars back? Yeah, they, they changed the model back in 2008, and they stopped uh, providing increases to schools based on inflation. But they expected the same level of quality and and uh, outcome for our students. And so it would be like saying, I'm going to pay, I want $100 worth of work, but I'm only going to give you 50 bucks. 
Okay, so it doesn't. Yeah, so the the, the model needs to change. Okay, um, you put the. This is officially going on the ballot. Do we know the exact wording? I don't need you to read it, but do we know the exact wording of the question? How that's all going on? Yep, the board approved the exact language uh, last night for operational and maintenance needs on a non-recurring basis. It talks about some of the, the critical needs that we have in our school district, which include, you know, maintaining our mental health supports and behavioral supports in classrooms, uh, being able to attract and retain high-quality teachers in a challenging environment, uh, safety and security improvements to our, our aging buildings. You know, so there's, there's lots of needs we have in our school district, and this will help uh, continue to improve our buildings, improve our instruction, and provide the critical services our students need. Will it, will it literally improve the buildings or just improve the people in the buildings? Like, I know it pays the bills, and I know it, um, it pays for teachers, pays, like, electricity costs. I think that's operational budget. But does operational budget include, like, uh, you know, new windows or something like that? I don't know. what you, When you say improve the building, what do you mean? Yeah, this includes uh, uh, funds set aside for maintenance for our buildings to ensure that they're they're safe and secure, uh, that we can educate kids at a high quality. You know, we know that for our, our, our buildings that are aging, they have some significant needs. It might be plumbing, it might be uh, electrical, but it also might be safe entrances and new fencing and uh, improvements to HVAC and lighting so that kids have good environments to learn in. Okay, so the is a is a capital referendum then completely different than is the, would that be for like real big upgrades or how how are they different then? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, you know, a capital referendum would be a big thing, building a building or a big addition or you know a comprehensive HVAC project. These are, are little things that are buildings that are that fall under ongoing maintenance, but are, are real needs okay. that make a difference in teachers and kids' lives. Yeah, the retractable dome, right, for the football team, something like that. That would be that would be, capital. <laughs> yeah, that'd be capital. Um, uh, okay, so the the operating referendum, it's going to be about fifty eight dollars per two hundred thousand dollar home, something like that. That sound about right? Yep, that's correct. Okay, and that's a year. Um, let's see here. Oh, okay. So if it's going, if we know what's going on the ballot, but the governor is giving his state of the state address, I think then the. The legislature and the but and the and the governor will write their budgets for the next two years. We have seven billion dollars in budget surplus just lying around for literally a year and a month now, at least. If if there's a there's a window here where the state, the legislature, and the governor come to an agreement and go, yeah, we're going to give a lot of this seven billion dollars to schools. I mean, are you trying to anticipate what they're going to do, or are you just saying, yeah, we're not going to be able to depend on that? Because there could be this window where some of the seven billion dollars really helps out, or will you just you could figure out an easy way to use that money regardless? Yeah, we're hopeful that the surplus and the ongoing conversations uh, at the Capitol uh, lead to an increase in funding for schools. But you know, we are approaching things conservatively. The, the last two years, they gave us nothing, and the last ten years, the average per pupil per year was. $130 per student, which was, you know, grossly under inflation and what it takes to operate our schools. And so I'm, you know, tentatively optimistic and, and certainly hopeful, you know, with that $7 billion uh, surplus, they have the ability to kind of do it all if they want to. Um, you know, if they make some compromises at the Capitol, they can, you know, provide folks with um, uh, tax cuts and fund education at a higher rate than they have historically. 
as a superintendent of one of the bigger school districts, you know, especially on this side of the state, do you do you go to like uh, your state reps, your your senator, your assembly person, and go, hey, this is kind of where where we would, you know, this is kind of what we would need if you want to tap into some of that seven billion. It, essentially, lobbying your state reps to go to Madison and, and kind of make make it known how how this would work well for your school district. Yeah, I absolutely do, and I know our, our school board members do as well. Reach out to our local representatives uh, to uh, you know let them know about the, the challenges and the opportunities that we have in our schools, and encourage them to to lobby for education at the Capitol as well. And we encourage our, our parents to do the same and any community member uh, to advocate for, for public education. It's such a critical resource in our schools, in our, in our community, and it is the foundation of a strong economy. And we've seen through these operational referendums across the state that people support public education and they strongly feel that we need more money in public education. And we're hopeful that that lobbying of our, our local legislatures uh, makes a difference. We're speaking with Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel. I do have a question here. Uh, he, it, so I'll just make a make a point. We're we're speaking with the superintendent, not the school board president here, uh, as as Bill in the text line asked. But he said, "What are what are what is the school district doing to reduce operating costs versus just asking for more funds? Uh, do you have to get creative to do that? You know, essentially, um, you know, are you getting creative to to reduce operating costs?" Yeah, absolutely. We have cut millions out of our, our budget over the last three years that I've been here, uh, a reduction of over 40 positions. Uh, you know, we've tried to take advantage of, of resignations and uh, retirements along the way so that we can avoid layoffs and those sorts of things. You know, we've trimmed our, our discretionary budgets and our, and our supply budget so that we can focus on what matters most, the people that educate our students. Uh, but it's impacted uh, benefits and, and as well, and our ability to attract and retain folks is starting to take a hit. And so we, we're really down to bare bones at this point, and, and there isn't much more to cut before we really start to negatively impact the instruction and outcomes for students. And so we're excited by this referendum. We know that our community supports public education, and we're hopeful that they see uh, the need for this crucial investment in our students students in our schools well and i'll just bring up the opposite side of this what if the referendum doesn't pass and you talk about negative impacts what is what is the fallout um is it is it that dire if it doesn't pass because you would just have to come back the next election right and and ask something else uh we'd have an opportunity to come back the next election that is true but there would really be significant impacts next year and on follow-on years if, if we don't pass uh, an operational referendum it would affect Every corner of our school district, it would impact class sizes, programs, uh, the ability to provide uh, uh, you know, mental health services and social services that kids need to be able to be ready to learn every day, it would impact graduation, pathways for students that you know, need to learn in different ways. It would really be devastating if we weren't able to, to pass this uh, referendum. Is there just like a big thing? Like if this didn't pass and we didn't get some money from the taxpayers you know, like the football team would be cut or something. Is there like you can point to one thing and be like, oh, that's, for example, this would happen? Yeah, the the scope of the cuts we'd be looking at is so um, uh, all-encompassing. It, it would reach into every aspect, extracurriculars, daily staffing. 
you know, 80% of our, our costs in public education are salary and benefits. We're a people-driven organization. That's what makes a difference in kids' lives. And so there is, there's no aspect of our schools that wouldn't be touched if, if we had uh, to look at uh, not having this uh, uh, operational referendum. We're talking with Lacrosse School District Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engel. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about the the vote that happened, the other vote that happened uh, at the school board meeting last night. The idea, well, I guess it's not an idea anymore. We're closing Lincoln Middle School, so we'll talk about that and and those repercussions when we come back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM six zero eight. 785-7914 is the text line. If you've got a question, Lacrosse School Superintendent Dr. Aaron Engels, nice enough to join us for this hour. He's taken all his evenings off this week so far. Uh, school board meeting last night. Now he's on Lacrosse Talk PM. At least, like, are you are you at least like at home, like, kick your feet up and sitting in the recliner, Aaron? Uh, I was able to get home tonight, so it's nice to be able to call from uh, a more okay. comfortable seat. Yeah, otherwise it'd be like, hey, I'm going to make you come in studio. I don't want to do that to you. Um, all right, so we we talked about an operating referendum that's going to go on the April ballot. Uh, now, the other thing the school board and the school board voted for that last night. The other thing the school board voted for is uh, closing Lincoln. But before we get to that, the, all this talk seems very dire and sad and kind of I don't know if it's sad, but it's it's not super happy talk. Is there anything going on in the district that's like good good news? We need like a good news segment. Do you have any of that angle? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yesterday, um, our Lacrosse Public Education Foundation had uh, their Grant Awards luncheon, and it was just an incredible celebration of public education, of the teachers that applied for the grants, of the incredible businesses that support public education in our community. And it was so neat to see so many teachers recognized for their efforts, and then also some uh, uh, awards given out for some distinguished folks and organizations in our community now when you talk about grants given out what are what are we giving grants for like what are the cool things that i don't know are teachers just doing their own little pet projects that that kind of get students you know enhanced student learning that that they need grant money for and and then oh i get i can do this now with with this grant money yeah our teachers have so many creative and neat ideas to engage students to expand their learning and it's stuff that you know, really beyond the capacity of the school district to, to support. So it's amazing to have LPEF here to make those things possible. Some examples are, um, you know, we uh, a group of teachers uh, requested some funds for materials to learn about cells through the story of Henrietta Lacks at Central High School. Uh, so a neat connection. Uh, some uh, Another grant to fund a short-term artist residency of a local artist, Shua Yang, at Longfellow Middle School. Um, and uh, another neat opportunity was uh, some funds to purchase adaptive equipment for students with mobility challenges throughout the district to participate in physical education activities. And so these are teachers who see a need in their classrooms, who see kids who could use a unique opportunity. They go out, they write the grant, they take the time, and it's amazing to have our, our community come through and support these awesome opportunities. Now I'm reading here that there's there there was one on hydroponics. Is that a grant that somebody got? And are we just what are we growing? Do we know yet? Yeah, I don't know the exactly what they're growing, but uh, you know, they they get an opportunity to to plant seeds, to see biology, to to see a plant go through its entire life cycle and maybe even harvest some food at the end of it. It's just a, a neat visual 
connection to life science right there in the classroom, it can make a, a huge difference in a, a connection for a student. I feel like it's a little advanced than having like the gerbil or the goldfishing class because I think I, I think hydroponics. If I'm saying that, if I'm saying that right now, I'm looking at it, I'm like I don't know if that's the same thing. But like you have you have plants that live on water, but underneath you have fish. And the fish, it's kind of like a cohesive relationship where the, the fish feed the plants and vice versa. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit more advanced than having a pet goldfish in class. Yeah, if you include the fish part of it, it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, the fertilizer from the fish helps the plant grow. The oxygen from the, uh, the plant produces can aerate the water. Uh, really just a neat way to look at the environment and an ecosystem. Now, when we have, we have like, you, you talk about art teachers, we got band teachers asking for grants. Do the math teachers get mad? Because what are they going to ask for? Like, can we get some uh, grant money for more? Kids don't even need calculators anymore. So are math teachers just out of this equation of asking for grants to make math more fun? <laughs> uh, no, I, I, they get involved, too. And, in fact, there was a, a grant to the Hinchin Special Education Teachers. Uh, to support math interventions uh, in general education settings. And so uh, it doesn't matter what your background is or what you're, you're focused on. There is something, there's a way to find a creative project for everyone. And our, once again, our teachers are just phenomenal in coming up with these ideas and finding ways to support students the way they need. Yeah, these are the teachers we got to keep, the ones that, that can figure out a way to get grant money to make math more fun. Because I feel like math... Is, is maybe the most important subject, but also, like, not the funnest to, to learn. Yeah, I'm truly impressed when I go to classrooms these days. I kind of have the same, uh, you know, feeling that you do. You know, my experience in, you know, middle and high school math was, it was a bit, you know, boring and humdrum. But when I see what kids are doing today, working with manipulatives and stacking blocks and, you know, moving things around, is an entirely different way to approach math than we did when we were kids. And I know that frustrates some of our parents, but they are more excited about it than, than we were, I think. And I think it's a huge testament to what our teachers have done to update their practices and learn new ways to teach. Yeah, and then the kids bring that stuff home and the parents are like, I, don't, I can't even help you with your homework because I don't understand how you're doing math anymore. I hear that all the time. Absolutely. I remember when my daughter was in fourth grade and she was doing multiplication and she could do multiplication three different ways. And I only knew one way. And it was frustrating because I felt already she's smarter than I am. It was it with your fingers. Is that what you're? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're speaking with lacrosse school superintendent, Dr. Aaron Angle. Okay. You mentioned when you go around the cl- and, and meet, you know, go, I don't know if you pop into classrooms, but I feel like if the superintendent popped into my classroom, I feel like I'd be in trouble. It'd be like my boss coming in during the show. I'd probably like get a little bit nervous and be like, I can't even talk normal or teach normal anymore. Um, as a superintendent, you, you, a, you want to do that, but also maybe you, you know, that maybe that makes that, do you have to like inform, Hey, I'm just going to come hang out. It's not anything serious. Do you have to do some stuff like that as a superintendent? Uh, I usually don't, you know, give any notice in advance, but I also respectful of what teachers wishes are. If they got the door closed, you know, I'm not going to open up and disturb them. They got something going on that they're focused on. They have the door open. I might pop my head in. There are a lot of teachers who don't care who you are. If there's an adult there to help out, you're going to join in. And so I get asked regularly to come to classes, and I get to dance with kindergartners and read to second graders and, uh, you know, have group discussions with high schoolers. And so I always appreciate those opportunities to get involved if they want me to, and I'm also happy to observe from a distance. 
Uh, teachers are doing great things every day. I'm not there to scrutinize what they're doing on a daily basis. I'm there to support them and, and understand better uh, the, the incredible work they do. Do you have any like odd skills that may, I don't even know, not even odd, but just skills that, that like you could walk into the band room and grab a guitar and start s- and strumming the guitar and all the kids would be like, oh my God, this guy plays great guitar. Do you have any, do you have any skills like that where you would surprise the students and teachers? Along those lines, I have been playing the violin since I was three years old. So if I got into an orchestra classroom, I might be able to keep up with some of those students. <laughs> the violin's hard. That's like one of the. I remember one of my friends, and you know, way back in like when I was real young, I remember him playing the violin, and I just I like wanted nothing to do with it. That's impressive. Um, all right, we got to get to we got to get to the, the Lincoln Middle School closing. I guess the first question would be why. Why did we close? Why did we vote last night to close Lincoln Middle School of all the schools? Yeah, um, you know we're facing some significant budget deficits as we move into the future. Um, you know we're looking at uh, a budget deficit starting next year of five million dollars and growing to an annual rate of ten million dollars in six years. And the referendum we just uh, are going to referendum. You know that will go a long way to addressing those needs, but it won't cover at all. And so we still need to look at, at right-sizing our buildings. Uh, and so, um, you know, looking at uh, our, our buildings and, and looking at where, you know, we have, uh, you know, underutilized those buildings because of declining enrollment, uh, really the middle schools is a place where uh, we have had the, the greatest underuse. And so, um, you know, over time, uh, the, the enrollment has, has shrunk, and uh, it's starting to negatively impact the instruction we're able to deliver at those schools. You know, as it, it's impacted our, our, our instruction because we don't have students there, all our, our staff there all day. You know, we have traveling teachers that go between classrooms, between school buildings, and this is things like social workers and encore teachers like uh, art or business. This means that the, the teacher that a student connects with, the, the, the teacher that a student needs to provide a critical service, isn't there when they need them. Uh, and, and that's really starting to have an impact. Uh, it's also challenging, uh, you know, if we have an absence for the day, there's fewer teachers to cover or pitch in to help. And so we're really just at a, a point where we need to uh, consolidate our middle schools. And, and as we look at the, the orientation of them and the ge- geography and the, the capacity and the age, uh, sadly, it just made the, the most sense to, to focus on Lincoln Middle School. Was it between Lincoln and is there only two middle schools? Is it Lincoln and Logan or is there more than one? We have three. So we've got Longfellow, Lincoln, and Logan. And so with the, the closure of Lincoln Middle School, we'll be looking to keep two middle schools, one kind of on the north side of town and one on the south side of town, uh, to be able to provide kind of more regional opportunities for middle school. Was it a geographical uh, reasoning there? Or is Lincoln – Brad, in the newsroom, Brad Williams said the Lincoln's like 100 years old. Was it that? Is it the oldest building and therefore – the one that's going to need the most repair? Because another part of this equation is all these buildings need are in dire need of repair, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Age was certainly a factor in the, in the necessary uh, maintenance needs. You know, we know that there's over $5 million uh, of maintenance needs at Lincoln Middle School, over 100 years old. Uh, the needs at our other middle schools was a little less. Uh, you know, so that was certainly a factor. Geography plays a role. 
You know, we um, have two high schools. It'd be nice to have uh, a system that feeds our high schools consistently with feeder schools. So having schools kind of oriented north and south makes sense. Uh, and another factor is, is transportation and, and, and as much walkability as possible. When we looked at, um, you know, where, um, you know, to, to consider which schools to keep, you know, we would be able to, um, uh, you know, maintain the highest number of students who could walk to school and the minimal number of students for busing if we uh, kept Logan and Longfellow. So it's a, a multi-factor decision, you know, that kind of uh, resulted in, in the outcome. Is this a was this part of an ongoing conversation with the school board? Like, hey, the 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 recommendation I'm going to give you here in a, a month or a couple of months or in a couple of weeks is Logan Middle School. Uh, so it, it was was it a big surprise to the school board because you you proposed it last night and we also voted on it as opposed to like thinking about it for a week a month. I don't know. Yeah, closing Lincoln Middle School has been before the school board for almost 25 years. You know, there's nobody I've talked to in the school district who can't remember a time when it wasn't a conversation. And there was even a vote back in the, the late 90s to close it. They turned, changed course and invested some money in HVAC there um, instead. Uh, and so it's really been a, a part of our long-range facility planning conversations with the community and the board that have been occurring for over two years now. You know, uh, in our initial long-range facility plans, all of them included the closure of Lincoln Middle School. When we talked to the community um, about the one high school idea, all of those surveys that went out to the public, all those information sessions involved consolidating middle schools into two. And uh, when asked directly, we talked about our long-range facility plan. Uh, about how it would involve uh, the closure uh, of Lincoln. And so uh, it's certainly been out there. It's something we've talked about consistently. And so while the board um, did take action, you know, the first time it was on an agenda item, it's been a part of two plus, you know, two and a half years of of conversation and uh, part of workshops around long-range facility planning for uh, years now. And so this um, uh, shouldn't come as a surprise to, to just about anyone. And does what does it save like a million or a million or two million dollars a year or like what are the savings to closing the Lincoln? Yeah, our estimated savings in the first year are a million and a half, and then ongoing into the future will be one point eight million dollars uh, just through efficiencies, um, and then there's the additional savings of operational costs and uh, the maintenance that we won't have to do there. Um, I've proposed this. I have no idea what happens to the building. I, I kind of brought this up with you. I don't know if I caught you by surprise or if you were like the light bulb went off, but like, can we sell the city? Can we sell the building to the city or the county? Um, as, as we talk about bridge housing for, for homeless, I mean, is that an idea? Do you have plans for the building or do you, do you see selling it or something? Yeah, we're not, um, city planners. Uh, you know, we're not developers. You know, our, our focus is public education, and so uh, we want to lean on the expertise of others to find out the, the best use as we move forward. And we definitely want to involve our local neighborhoods uh, to identify what the best use of that building was. Uh, we know uh, from our community members that, you know, having a school in their neighborhood has been very important. They feel like it's been beneficial. Um, we want to do as much as we can with our limited ability to ensure that whatever um, replaces uh, the school there uh, also has a, a positive value to the community and is valued by the, the neighborhood association 
and and by the city. And so we'll work with the city planning department, the neighborhood association, to uh, identify um, to help identify the, the next uh, use for this property. Uh, but ultimately, you know, we'll be leaning on the expertise and the, the lived experience of others that are, are in that area. And the idea here is the school district is going to. I'll just say get rid of the building, but whatever, the school district won't own the building at some point down the road. Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, that's correct. You know, okay. we, we don't uh, anticipate a need for that property, and so we'll be, um, you know, dispensing of it somehow. Because I know you floated the idea, and I don't, I think this kind of fell through, the idea of the La Crosse School District and the La Crosse County, uh, La Crosse County kind of teaming up to run some kind of child care facility or, or having childcare in different schools. I mean, you could use the Lincoln Building as one giant. I mean, maybe it's too big, but like a, as a childcare facility, that would be a lot of kids. I think what almost eight hundred kids could be <laughs> be uh, looked at there. Yeah, I mean that, that. There's all sorts of, of potential follow-on uses, you know. But at the same time, one of the reasons we're we're interested in moving on from the building is because of the large quantity of maintenance that's needed there. And then to renovate it for something like childcare would also have its own expenses. And so um, I, I don't anticipate a continued use through the school district, yeah. but maybe through our, our planning process, something comes out, uh, certainly open to that. But um, we just want to make sure that uh, it fits into the, the uh, future needs of our neighborhoods and the, and the city's ideas for what's best there. We talk about, we've, You've brought this up uh, in all these meetings. There's ongoing building maintenance, deferred maintenance. I think I, I don't remember the exact number. I want to say it was like $85 million in deferred maintenance and more, almost more than, or somewhat around half of that was just a couple of the buildings. How do we get in a situation where we have that much deferred maintenance? Is that also something where you point to the state and go, yeah, there again, this is a, a, a situation where the state isn't providing funding and we have to cut corners. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. The state, um, you know, just hasn't provided the funding necessary to uh, allow us to educate kids the way we want to and create, you know, the the buildings that we want. And so, you know, if the roof's not leaking, even though it's at the end of its life expectancy, we just put it off for another year until it becomes a problem. You know, we we just can't afford, you know, that maybe uh, one or two million dollar project, you know, at a time when we're we're focusing on what's most important, which is you know, keeping the fantastic staff we have and providing the programs kids need to succeed. All right. You brought up staff. That was one of my last. I got two more. Uh, what, is this a surprise to the staff? You you talk about this as a 25-year conversation about closing Lincoln, a 100-year-old building. Um, what happens to the staff? Does anyone lose their job? Um, you know, for staff, we know that we have, uh, we'll be, you know, moving folks around uh, into to new roles, and we have a process that we'll follow to accomplish that. We want to be fair in that process uh, and ensure that there's as much um, transparency as possible. Um, you know, our goal is to avoid layoffs at all costs. Uh, we have successfully used uh, natural attrition, resignations, and retirements over the last um, uh, three years to reduce over 40 positions. Uh, and so we're certain that we'll be able to, to a large extent, accomplish that in this transition as well. Um, yeah, because part of the consolidation, we have too many buildings. Well, when you consolidate buildings, and this is the first step, obviously then the staff would also get consolidated naturally, right? Yeah, that is correct. You know, the, the 80% of our, our costs are, are salary and benefits. So as we're 
looking at, um, you know, making those savings through consolidation. A lot of it comes at, um, uh, through salary and benefits. Um, all right. And then the last thing I have before I can let you go, <laughs> let's see, where is it? Oh, I'm, how many more buildings do we need to close? I think, was it like two or four or something like that? That was kind of the initial plan when we talked about building a new high school. But uh, does has that changed since that last referendum didn't pass? Um, you know, it's a continually uh, moving target. Uh, and we know that we have ongoing budget deficits. Uh, that we, we need to address, and this referendum will help, and this uh, closure of a middle school will help. But, um, you know, by having underutilized buildings, it does negatively impact the instruction that kids have, uh, the resources that they have access to. So we'll continue the discussion about how to right-size our school district. You know, this spring, we intend to put together a facility advisory committee uh, now that we're out of kind of an emergency mode of planning, and we'll be able to take a, a little bit of time over the summer and the fall to, to look at what comes next with a, a group of folks that represent our community. All right. That's lacrosse school superintendent, Dr. Aaron Engel. All right. Thanks a lot, Engel. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good night. You too. Uh, all right. Thanks everybody for listening. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk the economy with John Robinson from Viterbo. And on Thursday, lacrosse school teacher union president, Jesse Martinez.